Welcome to another life-giving message from Ars Hill Fellowship Church. Through rich biblical insight filled with humor and creativity, we seek to make the gospel alive for your life today. For more information, please visit MarsHillFellowship.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Real life, real faith, real people. Morning, church. Um, so when I got called on to share my unsung heroes, I had a few different options I was choosing. I, was, I had before me because I have different folks in the Bible I look up to for many different reasons. And um, I made some choices like, all right, these two for what I'm praying about doesn't seem like what I'm, I'm leading to. But this morning, I finally made the decision and um, I decided to go with Esther. Like, the background of Esther is she was an orphan. Um, family was poor, didn't have it all. But then she was chosen by the king for her beauty. She was loved. She was favored by the king. And then it got to the point where her cousin, um, Macedonia, Mordecai, thank you. Mordecai was um, at the gate. And to remind Esther, like, hey, remember your people. But at the same time, Esther didn't forget where she came from. Esther still was fasting and praying, even though she wasn't talking about her family often because she was asked not to. But in the still of everything, she was still fasting and praying for them. And Mordecai said, hey, remember your people. All this is going to happen against them. And then Esther said that, but what if I go to the king and I don't get chosen to speak, I get killed. Mordecai said, hey, have faith. Um, remember, God's work will be done no matter what. You want God's work to be done and you are not a part of it. And then Esther said, all right, I'm going to do it. And what, and then she, at the same time, he said to them, fast and pray in the meantime. And then when she went to the king, she actually got chosen. And that must be a crazy moment for anyone. Like, if you, not, if you don't get chosen, like, imagine, like, your life is going to be ended right there. And she actually took that leap of faith, went to the king. She got chosen and said, this is, this is what's going on. Um, because if you could save my people and wish the, the king what I'm doing. And I'm saying this because I'm the kind of person I never, ever want to forget where I came from. My journey is what made me the person I am today. And one of the things I'm, I always pray to God, no matter how, how far I get in life, no matter how, how successful I am in life, Help me to remember my roots. Help me also not to stray, not to turn my back against God. And Esther was a great example of that because she came from afar and she had everything that she would need, but still in the midst of everything, she still remember where she came from. She still remembered her roots. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for sharing that powerful story and a great tie-in to our scripture this morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to Numbers chapter number 22. And uh, as we read here, uh, starting at verse number one, um, as you probably noticed, the mud on my feet. As I mentioned, uh, Nehemiah had a soccer game this morning, and so um, they play soccer no matter what the weather is, so they were out there running and staying warm while I was on the corner freezing and uh, uh, pray for your pastor. Amen. The things we do for our children. Amen. I, I just kept on turning to the other parents and said, I'm doing this for a scholarship. I'm doing this for a scholarship. <laughs> One day I will look back and say it was all worth it. Right now I want to say, <laughs> get your butt in this car, let's go. But uh, we're doing it for a scholarship, amen, in the name of Jesus. 
Uh, Numbers chapter number 22. Then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River across from Jericho. Balak, son of Zippor, the Moabite king, had seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites were there, they were terrified. The king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, this mob will devour everything in sight like an ox devours grass in the field. So what we see here is that the Israelite people, God has freed them. And as they're out, uh, there are those who are surrounding around town of them. It will be the equivalent of someone coming in and invading the city of Boston and the people who were in Milton and Dedham, they were looking around and saying, man, these people are numerous. And, and the way that they talked about them, they said, this mob will devour everything in sight like an ox devours grass in the field. We don't know about ox in the field, but that's before lawnmowers were around. They would have an ox and they would, they would go and they would use it in order to uh, uh, um, uh, trim the field and also when they were doing for plowing. And, and so here they recognized that there was a, a challenge that was coming. So Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Beor, who was living in the native land of Pathor near the Euphrates River. His message said, look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall upon any people you bless and curses fall upon people on people you curse. Balak's messengers, who were the elders of Moab and Midian, sent out with money to pay Balaam to place a curse upon Israel. They went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. Stay here overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. That night, God came to Balaam and asked him, who are these men visiting you? Now, uh, you always want to pay attention when God asks a question, because God asking the question is like when mom and dad ask the question, but they already knew the answer. God already knows the answer, but there's a reason why he's asking that question. And so he asks Balak, what are the, Balaam, excuse me, what are these people doing here? And uh, Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people or have arrived from Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I will be able to stand up to them and drive them from the land. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people for they have been blessed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, O oh God, Lord, for the, even the words uh, of the reminder of Queen Esther. And Lord, how you used her and Lord, that you even took her roots, oh God, Lord, and that she was able to remember her people, oh God, Lord, even as she went about the business and the work that you had called for her to do. Father, we thank you, oh God, Lord, that even this morning as we turn to the story of Balaam, Lord, we thank you, oh God, Lord, for the heart and the conviction that you placed upon his heart. But Father, we know that as life goes on, Lord, we recognize that things will come into our heart. And so, Father, Lord, we pray that you would teach Teach us how to guard our hearts, O oh God, so that as we walk and do your will, O oh God, Lord, that your will will be done in everything. Lord, what we do not know today, would you teach us? What we do not have, would you give us? What we are not, would you make us? In Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. We see here an interesting story between the king, Balak, and Balaam, who was known as a prophet. One of the things that was happening and taking place during this time was that Balaam, uh, excuse me, Balak, who was the king, recognized that there was an existential threat that was around him. In this day and age, much like uh, we do in this age, when there is something that feels threatening, we look for help in order to help us to be able 
able to overcome the circumstances that are happening around us and to look for an advantage over what is going on. Uh, as I've been watching the playoffs and things that have been taking place, they've been talking about the Celtics and how they, with home court advantage, took over the Milwaukee Bucks and other teams as they're playing them. And so recognizing the home court advantage does something. And so here, as we read in Numbers 22, Balak determines that he wants to have home court advantage as he looks to the existential threat that is around him. He goes and he calls upon one of the prophets of the land, Balaam, and he goes, as he goes out, he says, I want you to go out and ask this prophet to go and to curse these people because I know just leaving it to their absolute natural strength, these people would come and overtake me. Now, as we begin to look at this, one would think that the unsung hero in this text is Balaam, but we're going to see that there's actually an interesting unsung hero that the text portrays to us as we see and read the story of Balaam uh, here today. Balaam said to God, as God asked him, who are these people and why are these people here? He begins to recount what was shared by Balak, the king, but then he begins to say to them as he as he reflects upon it here you must know that as God's messengers Balaam says I can only say what the Lord has said unto me as Balaam gone um, uh, God up to him, he hears a word from the Lord and he inquires of the Lord. And then in verse number 13, the next morning, Balaam got up. He goes and he tells Balak's officials, go on home. The Lord will not let me go with you. The first thing that we see here in the text in the story of Balaam is that you have to have some level of conviction if you are going to be a follower of Christ Jesus. As a follower of Christ Jesus, you cannot be someone who sits on the fence and goes from this side to that side, jumping from this way to that way, but there has to be something that you say, this is my conviction. Every one of us should live by conviction. What are your convictions? Well, the word of God tells us that our convictions should be that we ought to do what pleases the Lord. So when we look at the things that we say, yes, I will do, or no, I will not do it, we don't do it simply because it feels good or simply because it will give us some type of advantage, but we'll do it because we are people of conviction. When you read all the way from the beginning of the scriptures, you see that men and women of conviction did what was right in the face of opposition. They stood up against lions. They stood up in the face of threat. They stood up and declared that God, for God I will live and for God I will die. They did that not because they knew that they would be written in the annals of history in the scriptures. They did it not because they knew that people would look back and say, oh my goodness, they were such wonderful people, but they did it and they were stood strong in the moment because they had conviction. Now, conviction is important for us to know the standard by which God expects us to live. It's conviction that allows us to say this is the standard by which we can say this is what God expects of me and as his follower I'm going to live after the example that he has laid out for me. And so what happens as we see here is that Balaam has conviction. They come to him and they ask him, will you curse the Israelites? Balaam's first response is, let me inquire of the Lord and see what the Lord will say. Now, I find this a great example because how many times when we have great uh, decisions and responsibilities in front of us. How many times do we ask of the Lord, Lord, what do you want out of this situation? And 
You know, one of the things is for any of the recovering people pleasers out there like me, for any of the people that have been challenged by the opinions of others and, and you're sometimes influenced by what will people think, what will people say, what will they post about me on Instagram, what will they say, what will the hashtag be about this, that I've learned over time that I cannot base my decisions upon what others will think because guess what? The other people who will think will love it one moment and then in the next moment they will be the same ones decrying you. Listen, what goes around comes around. I mean, it, it, I mean, how many fashion trends? In one moment, it was out of style. The next minute, it was in style. And then when you turn around, it was out of style. So, you know, my, my parents, you know, when, when I was growing up, I didn't always have the most fashionable stuff. And now I look at some of the stuff that wasn't fashionable back then. Now it's fashionable. And so if you live your life simply by the opinions of others, you will find yourself wish-washy, going from one place to another place, never knowing your true identity. But when you live by conviction, you have the fact of knowing that even when you make unpopular decisions and even when others may look at you and say, what are you thinking or what are you doing? You know that God is standing and the angels are surrounding around you. What does Hebrews say? Like a great crowd of witnesses, they're cheering you on and say, continue to run your race because when you don't live by conviction it's like stumbling along your race but when you live by conviction it's like continuing to run and to persevere even in spite of all that is going on so Balaam has this heart of conviction and what happens is that as he lives by conviction it forces a threat from others we read here in verse number 14 as Balaam tells them, I cannot do what you've asked me to do. In verse 14, the Moabite officials returned to King Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come to us. And then what do we see in verse number 15? Then Balak tried again. It's amazing that when you are living by conviction, others who do not live by that same conviction will always try and penetrate and see how true are you to the convictions that you profess. It should not be uh, something that is uh, 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 that we're not accustomed to or it should not be something surprising to recognize that as a believer who lives by conviction that there will be challenges that will be placed to our conviction. And this is what happened with Balaam. Balak tried again, and this time he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials than he had sent the first time. He sent the larger delegation, more distinguished. Maybe he felt the pressure of pleasing those who were in authority. Maybe he felt the pressure of, I don't want to be different. Maybe he felt the pressure of, well, I've got to do these things. But here's what happened as they came. They went to Balaam and delivered the message to him. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please do not let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. In another translation, it says the king of Balak, uh, the king Balak said that I will reward you greatly. Come on, let, let's be honest. We're constantly making decisions. And what you're making is this decision or you're making a wager of what is the reward I will get out of this? versus the pain that I might have to go through. Because at certain points, we make decisions not because of the conviction, but we look at it and say, well, that reward is kind of nice. 
I was flipping through the channels and watching a movie, and it was one of those movie challenges where they were letting scorpions crawl upon you. And for 30, if you could stand under there for 30 seconds with scorpions crawling upon you and biting you, you could win a million dollars. At some point, somebody's doing it. Why? Because they're making a determination that the reward of a million dollars is worth the 30 seconds of pain and turmoil. And what the enemy is always wagering is that if he can tempt you to get away from the conviction that God has said, the enemy will always say the reward is better. What did he say in the garden? What happened? He says, listen, God doesn't want you to know this because he's afraid. God is afraid that if you do these things, you will know both good and evil. And so he's saying the reward of being just like God is there if you make this choice. Now, what happens as we see in the text is that we see that Balaam, at least with his words as he presents them there, as Balak comes again and tries again, Balaam has conviction that stands there. As Balaam, there we see there uh, uh, in verse number six, excuse me, 18, but Balaam responded to Balak's messengers, even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. Now, when I first read this, I was like, what great conviction that Balaam had. That even in the face of when Balak sends, Balak and Balaam always get confused in there. So Balaam is the prophet, Balak is the king that comes. And so even when King Balak sends all of his chief men and says, I will reward you handsomely. Balaam said, listen, I, I know what my assignment is. I know what I've been called to do. And he says, even if Balak were to give me a palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. Now, as I hear that, it sounds so powerful and strong. But what we begin to read as the text goes on is that the conviction that Balaam has is tested. And by, the Lord knows that all of us who are humans, that the Lord has placed us here on this earth, not by ourselves, but the Lord has placed us alongside of others because he knows that there will be temptations that come unto us, that if we just try to take over them by ourselves, if we just try and do it in our isolation, that the enemy will find a way to chink into our armor and get to our hearts. You ever been walking in a store and you're minding your own business and then all of a sudden you, you start humming the song that's playing in the, micro, uh, in the overhead uh, speakers? Now what happened? You weren't intending that you would just bust out singing in the middle of the store. You weren't intending to have your debut concert in the middle of Target, but it got into your spirit. It got into your heart. And before you knew it, you were singing right along with the song, clapping and having a good old time. And this is the thing that we must guard ourselves because in the midst of all that is going on, it is easy especially when we are isolated, for the enemy to find us and to get us in a place where he allows things to come into our spirit, things to get into our heart, and before we know it, the convictions that we live by have now been challenged. 
Balaam responded as those who had come to there. And that night, God, uh, excuse me, uh, as he goes there, he says, stay here one night and I will see what the Lord, if the Lord has anything else to say to me. That night, verse 20, God came to Balaam and said to him, since these men have come to you, get up and go with them, but do only what I tell you to do. So the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. Now, this was a challenge because as I read in the text, it, it, it confused me. If God gave permission to Balaam, why was God angry with Balaam? Well, if you read another text, uh, 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 there's this presentation of when God spoke to Balaam, uh, as he instructed him, they said, go only when the men call you. But uh, uh, some commentators parse it as a difference of Balaam eagerly, when he woke up that next morning, he eagerly went on to go with the men. Uh, we don't have to parse between what was the reason there for God's anger, but what we can see is that God had determined that what had gotten into Balaam's heart was a desire that he had desired the reward more than the obedience of following after God. Here, as we read in the text, we begin seeing as what happens as God is angry at Balaam. He sends an angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. And Balaam, we recognize, Balaam is blinded to what is going on. He's not naturally blinded, but he's spiritually blinded. How is he spiritually blinded? Well, the desires of his heart, the Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. And and what is in your heart will eventually be demonstrated in your actions. Your heart will lead you. So if your heart has things that have got you astray, if your heart, you've allowed things to come into your heart, be careful lest it gets you off track for where the Lord wants you to be. As Balaam and the two servants were riding along, verse number 23, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. So imagine the scene here. Balaam is riding. He's going to Balak, king of the Moabites. And as he's riding along on his donkey, he goes and Balaam can only see the road that is ahead, but the donkey's eyes are open, and as the donkey's eyes are open, right in the path, there in front of him is an angel standing there with a sword drawn. The donkey bolted off the road into the field, but Balaam, who couldn't see what was going on, beat the donkey and turned it back on the road. We see here the second time something happens. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by, but it crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. The angel stopped in a place and said, I'm going to position myself so that you cannot go any further. The first time he tried to get around it. The second time he tried to side around it. But the angel says, I'm going to stop you right in your tracks. And when this happens now, this this time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. And in a fit of the rage, Balaam beat the animal with his staff. Then the Lord, <laughs> verse number 28, then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Now, you know, I always dreamed of producing movies and being a director. Could you imagine this scene that's here? 
You're trying to go along your path. You're trying to go along your way. The donkey just sits down there. Balaam is mad and frustrated because why isn't this donkey doing what I've, uh, I've told it to do? And then the Lord gives the donkey the ability to speak. And the, this miracle happens. And the donkey says this, what have I done that deserves you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. And then we see in verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Today, my unsung hero is not a person, but a donkey. A donkey, here we saw in the text, God allowed this donkey to speak to Balaam. Allowed him and asked him these questions. What have I done to you that you would beat me three times? Balaam was so frustrated about what was going on and how he looked. He said, listen, you made me look like a fool. But now the donkey says to him, listen, we've got history. And all this history, have I ever tripped on you? Have I ever gone astray? When you needed $5, did I, did I loan you the money? When you needed $500, did I loan you the money? When you were asking and crying and all these things were going on, did I, was I there for you? He says, listen, I want you to understand the history of our relationship. And when you look now at that history, now when you see something that is different, wouldn't you be able to say, Hey, if I, the donkey, am doing this, it's not because I'm just lollygagging out here and do not want to work, but it is because I'm trying to keep you from danger. You see, what I want us to recognize is that all of us need a friend like Balaam's donkey. We need a friend that, who has history, someone who knows us well enough so that even though you say the words, I'm, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, but you know you're really down and out. You know you've said all the right words, you've gone to the right things, and, and everybody else, they might not be able to tell what's really going on, but the minute that they look at you, they, they're stopping in their tracks because they see that the Lord is saying something's not right here, something is this is not going to end well. This is not going the direction that you should go. And what we see here is that the donkey recognized that the direction that Balaam was going, it would have caused him to sin against the Lord. And what would have caused him to sin against the Lord was the fact that in Balaam's heart, the reward had overtaken him. The affections had overtaken him. I'll say this. Sin, I mean, oftentimes when we talk about sin, we talk about the wages or the penalty of sin. But let me be honest. Sometimes sin, sin seems sexy. Sometimes sin seems like the reward of sin is going to pay off. And if we're not careful and if we're living life by ourselves and if we don't have some donkeys in our lives, 
If we don't have some people in our lives who know you well enough to be able to walk with you and who can grab you and say, listen, brother, listen, sister, listen, the direction that you're going, it is not going to end well. Stop going down that path. I see where this is going and that you're willing enough to trust them. Balaam's eyes were closed. But then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes so he could see what was right in front of him. It wasn't that the angel wasn't there. It was this that Balaam was blind to see the Lord leading and guiding and directing him. It's so amazing because on the one hand, you see that Balaam was someone who sought after the Lord's will. But the challenge was when the stakes got higher, when the reward seemed to be a little bit better, he fell into the trap of allowing it to sink into his heart. Now, we'll all have challenges where things will come in. Listen, there, there are times, can I be honest with you? There are times where, I, you know, Sunday morning I say, man, I'm tired, man. I could be sitting at home. I can go to Newcomb Farms. I can go to McKenna's. I can get a good breakfast, get a waffle, and just chill out. But I know the reward of being together with the fellowship of the saints the reward of coming together and being a part of the body of Christ far outweighs the inconvenience that I might feel on the inside, the tiredness that I might feel on the inside, the ways that my emotions might tell me about what I want to do. And so I've got to guard my heart. And so even when there are times when, even when I'm trying to guard my heart and trying to allow and do the right things and sometimes I'm just not feeling it, I thank God for those who are in my life, my circle of friends. You, you need some people who are believers around you. You need some good friends. I mean, uh, you know, I'm saddened in this day and age because of friendships and good friends are hard to find, but we all need some good friends, some people who will surround around you and who will be like that donkey because some of you some of you, you just got people who will co-sign anything you want to do some of you you just got people all around you just whatever you want to do man yes go ahead go ahead and do it but you need some people who will tell you man that's foolish you done lost your mind you need somebody who has permission to be able to say listen you have lost your mind Get it together. And when they tell you that, that you don't get an attitude. You don't try and beat them like Balaam did. <laughs> but your eyes will be open and see, what is the Lord doing in my midst? As the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, why did you beat the donkey three times, the angel of the Lord demanded. Look, this is what the angel of the Lord said, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and, shield, and, shield, uh, and shied away. Otherwise, I certainly would have killed you by now and spared the donkey. Do you know that some of the direction that we would have been going into, some of the paths that we would have been going down, some of the things that we would have encountered, they could have killed us. They could have taken us out. But by the grace of God, God stopped us in our track. How many of you have ever been stopped by God? And now you can look back and say, Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for stopping me when I was about to go down the wrong way, down the wrong path. Lord, I may have been stubborn in some decisions. Lord, I may have been thinking this is the way that I wanted. But there's an unsung hero. The donkey is our unsung hero this morning because God used him to stop him in the tracks and allowed him to give back to the place where he needed to be. <laughs> Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, verse number 34, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. 
I will return home if you are against my going. It's interesting here because as I studied this passage, look what happens and look what the angel of the Lord says. But the angel of the Lord told Balaam, go with these men, but say only what I tell you to say. It was the same words that were said before. But the difference this time is that God knew what was in Balaam's heart. And God had taken out the stubbornness, the, the reward mindset, and he had placed in there a desire to go and to do what the Lord would do. And he, God knew that this time Balaam could stand under the pressure of everything that was going to happen and take place. If you keep on reading through Numbers 23 and 24, you'll determine and you'll see that as he goes to King Balak, Balak is excited that Balaam is there. He says, finally, you've come here. And he asks Balaam, uh, now, will you go and curse? <laughs> will you curse uh, the Israelites? And Balaam goes and he blesses the Israelites. King Balak is mad. He said, I, I brought you here to curse my enemies. And Balaam says, listen, sorry, I can only do what the Lord told me to do. And so the Lord has blessed them, and whom the Lord has blessed, I've got to bless. I can't go and curse them on my own strength. I can't curse them because it's my will, because this is what I want. I'm only doing what the Lord has shown me to do. Balaam carries out his mission and his assignment, and the Lord restores the conviction that he had placed in his heart. So what do we learn today? Number one, what is your conviction? What standard are you living by? What are the things, and, and one of the things that's important for you to know is that you don't wait till you get into the situation to determine what your conviction is. Can I be honest? Uh, listen, when I was dating, I had to tell my best friend, I was like, look, here's my conviction. If it's after 10 o'clock and I'm over past, well, she wasn't past Ophelia there. She was just Ophelia there. And so if I'm over fine sister Ophelia's house, <laughs> And it's after 10 p.m. You need to call me. And if I don't answer, you need to text me. And if I don't answer, you need to send somebody over there. Because ain't nothing good happening after 10 o'clock. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 let, let me tell you this. Let, 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 and and uh, tell the truth and shame the devil. Listen. When you wait till you get to the situation to determine your conviction, it's already too late. It's already too late. And God has gifted you with the gift of the ability to rationalize. And the enemy will use that gift in the inopportune moments to help you to rationalize why you're stronger, why you can overcome this, and why your conviction doesn't really need to be in there. Listen, I live by that because it's hard enough even when you live by conviction that when the challenge comes, it's hard enough to stand by that conviction, let alone when you toe the line and just say, well, if I just get a little bit closer, what'll happen? You can't eat just one chip. They've created a whole slogan after that. Because why? They know. You ever try fasting? And you try and say, or, or, or what do you say? I'm not going to have snacks. And what do they tell you to do? Get it out your house. Why? Because when it's in your house, it's within close proximity. I remember, you know, it, I'm good with fast when we're fasting together as a congregation, and this is the standard that we're going we're going to get. But there's some times where, you know, I'll just sense the Lord saying, "All right, I need to take a personal fast." Any of you ever just taken a personal fast? It hasn't been the church or the congregation, and so so usually, 
This is, if I, if I can tell the truth, this is how it usually goes down. Day one, it, it is, I'm just so in the presence of the Lord. I'm just going to fast. I'm just going to drink water. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit before you, Lord, and I'm just going to bask in your presence and just hear your voice. And then as others are eating their hamburgers and their french fries and everything else, you know, I begin to say, Lord, um, I, I love you, and, and, and I know you don't want me to starve, Lord, and, and, and you wouldn't put that grease, you wouldn't allow me to smell that grease and to have that temptation of the grease if you really didn't want me to have it. And so, Lord, I know yesterday I felt that you were telling me just water alone, but today I just feel your spirit just telling me that them French fries are, are, are my ram in the bush. And Lord, Lord, you sent that ram, that, that French fry to free me. And so, and so I'm just going to have one French fry, Lord, and then I'm going to go back to my water and, and juice and everything else. And then by day three, I'm like, Lord, you know, that Reese's peanut butter cup, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. You know, it was just the middle of the night and I was hungry, Lord, and I didn't intend to. That was me sleepwalking. And, and, and Lord, I really am just giving this day over to you, but I'm just going to give this day after I have my breakfast because, you know, Lord, I already messed up the day and the breakfast, so I might as well have a nice breakfast and a little ham toast and everything else and all that. And so, uh, you know, I start, I start to move the goalposts. You, you ever work with somebody where they move the goalposts? And that's what will happen if you don't determine what your standard is before you get into the situation. So determine conviction. What is your conviction? Determine your conviction before you get into the situation. The second thing as you go into the convictions, recognize that the enemy does not like those who live by conviction. And so recognize that the enemy is always going to try and ratchet up pressure and, and to go against the convictions that the Lord has placed in your heart. Count it not strange when the enemy tries to tempt you in these areas. The enemy will try and tempt you. And it's important. You see, I, I'm not so much as impressed with people who say a lot of the right words because because you can say all the right words, and in your heart, it really means nothing. I, I know people who can say all the right words. They can quote you scripture up and down, but their life is raggedy. Come on. I, I'm, I'm less concerned whether you can give me the theological terms and definitions of what the Lord is doing in, the, in your midst right now. I'm more concerned whether you can say, ha, I'm struggling right now and I admit that I need the Lord's strength because it's not someone who just knows all the theological understanding of temptation and the theological realm of what this means and the, all that's taking place. But I want somebody who can say, you know what, in the midst of my temptation, I'm going to trust God because I recognize that, listen, I'm I, 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 in this humanity, this human flesh, that even though I'm trusting in the Lord, it might be one little step and I, I might find myself in the wrong place of temptation. So I'm leaning, I'm holding on to God's hand because I need him to hold me in the midst of this situation because there are things that I'm tempted to do. Yes, yes, I know scriptures. Yes, I know all that's going on, but I'm tempted in the same way. And so I've got to hold on to God so Balaam knew there were words that he said and he had flowery words but what we recognize that in spite of all the flowery words that he declared what was going on was that there was stuff that was getting into heart the third thing that we saw this morning was that you've got to have a friend that's like the donkey you got to have a friend who can tell you like it is, a friend who you've given permission to be able to say, this is what's going on. This is what's taking place. Someone who you will allow into your midst and allow into your life to speak into your life. And they're an encourager. Uh, the they had relationship. The donkey and Balaam had relationship. Listen, you, you ought to have some people in your life that you've known more than Facebook. You've known more than, you know, just what your Facebook timeline. I mean, you ought to have friendships where it says you and so-and-so have been friends for 10 years, and you're like, no, nah, we've been friends for like 25 years. We may have been online together 10 years, but, but we have relationship. And they, and they ought to allow them to get to know you. See, there's a lot of us, we, we try to present what we think people think we should be. But be who God created you to be. Listen. In marriage, you, you get to determine, listen, you could fake it for a while, but after, after a while, you know, it's just, hey, you get the raggedy pajamas and everything else, and, and, and they see who you really are. At some point, somebody's going to see who you really are. 
But every one of us needs someone in our lives who God has allowed to be in there to help us as we're going along the way. And finally, don't be afraid when even when you live by conviction that when you maybe have temptation happen and maybe you make the wrong mistake or maybe you make the wrong decision, don't be afraid to say, Lord, I've messed up. Will you forgive me and help me go the right way? When Balaam realized his mistake, he says, I've sinned against you, Lord. After that, he asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Should I keep on going or should I return back? I believe Balaam had it in his heart that he said, listen, come on. He was looking forward to that reward. Anything that the king would give him, he was going to receive. But he said, listen, I'm willing to sacrifice all of that because I want to live for you. The life of the believer is not that we're perfect, but the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. We're here at Mars Hill because we got back up again. Not because we're perfect, not because we haven't sinned, but because God loved us with the everlasting love. His grace has been shown to us and we've got back up again. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for today's unsung hero. Lord, we look so much to all of the biblical characters that we reflect upon, but today's unsung hero is special. The donkey who was able to see what even Balaam could not see. Father, I thank you for the friends that you've placed in our lives. Lord, that help us to be able to see even when times when we're blinded by life circumstances and, Lord, the, the things of this world. And, Father, we pray, Lord, that we would even learn, even as Balaam learned, to trust you and to, Lord, live by conviction. And, Father, we pray that even as we reflect upon the story of the life of Balaam, Lord, that we would trust in you in all our ways. Father, we pray, oh God, Lord, even for those who are here today who might find themselves in places where they've gone directions where maybe the Lord was not leading or maybe the Lord said, don't go down that path. Father, I pray that you'd help them to not be afraid of what you, you uh, turn around our path and turn our direction around. But Father, you would help us to go to the right place. And Lord, that you would help us, oh God, Lord, not to follow after what man wants, but Lord, to follow after your will. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We love you with an everlasting love. It's in Christ's name we do pray. And everybody said, amen.